Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God does many great things for His people. And in those things, we see His faithfulness. Because God does according to His words. We're going to look at a psalm today. And this psalm speaks about God's goodness. His goodness to provide spiritually and His goodness to provide physical things for us that we truly need. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 65. It begins, in fact, in Hebrew, the first verse is a rather short inscription. And all it says is that familiar phrase to the chief musician or perhaps to the choir director. And then he's speaking about the fact that this is a psalm and it belongs to David. He is the author of it. And then the last word is the word sheer in Hebrew, which is a song. So that clarifies very much that this was something that was sung, sung in adoration to God. And what is David going to teach us in this brief psalm? Well, look at the next verse where it says, To you, and the implication is, to you, O God. Obviously, David is addressing this to the God of all creation, the eternal, the unique, the one and only God. And he says, to you, and the next word is a word which means silence or being still. And it shows a a respect. It shows a priority. It shows something which takes precedence over all things. So he says, to you, and the, the way that we could understand it, To you, you deserve silence. This is a phrase that speaks about one giving all attention, their attention and making sure nothing else interferes with one thing. And what is that? Well, the next word in the scripture has to do with praise, praising God. So what we could think about is this, that David is saying there is praise unto you. And therefore, everyone else needs to be still. They need to be silent. No one should interfere with the worship of God. And then it speaks about the God, and we have a title. Elohim B'Tzion, the God in Zion. And of course, I've said many times that this word Zion is a kingdom word. So it speaks about God who is indeed king over all of his creation and that God is worthy to be praised for every reason. Everything that is good is an outcome of God. Everything that we have, we've received from God. He is worthy of adoration, of praise, of worship, and this God will establish his kingdom. 
and we see his sovereignty, his power, his authority as we continue on. We read, unto you it shall be paid the vow. So every vow showing this, one should submit and acknowledge their commitment to the Lord publicly and also before him. So God and the implication of God who is in Zion, this kingdom God, we need to be not only respectful and worship him, but also we need to fulfill every obligation to him. And David is saying, you deserve praise and you deserve obedience. Now move on to the next uh, verse where it says, the implication is the same God, what does he do? He's, he hears prayer. Now, one of the things that stands out about this verse is the grammatical construction of the verb for hearing. Now, it's important because usually in Hebrew, biblical Hebrew, we have the, the past and the future. It's emphasized more often than not, every verb that you see is in one of these two constructions. Many uh, uh, biblical scholars, they call the past, the perfect, and the, the future, the imperfect. But as I've said, do not confuse these terms, these grammatical terms, perfect and imperfect, with what we have grammatically in the New Covenant, in the Greek language, they mean entirely different things. I only say that because in this verse that we're looking at, the word shomea, he hears. It's in what we could call the present tense. Most Christians, scholars, they call it a participle. It's not important what we call it. What's important that we recognize it and we see that there's a uniqueness there is an infrequency of the present tense or the participle appearing in the Hebrew Bible. And whenever it does, it emphasizes something. It emphasizes what is being said. So the fact that God hears, and we have several different words that we could choose from for the word hearing or listening. But this is one that means he hears and responds to prayer the prayer that's offered up to him. And then we have the phrase, unto you, all flesh, they will come. So all flesh, in one sense, it's singular, but it's understood, plural, by the verb, they will come. So it speaks about a time, remembering this God who is in Sion, this kingdom God, everyone is going to be brought before him all flesh, all humanity. And the implication here is what it's referencing is Yom Hadin Hagadol, which is that great day of judgment. We're not speaking about the day of the Lord in his judgment of the earth, but when every individual makes no difference where you're from, what your heritage is, your nationality, your culture, makes no difference. Very significant that this term, kol basar, all flesh, every human being is going to, to come before you. Now look, verse 4. 
the relationship between what we just read in the Hebrew text, verse 3, probably verse 2 in your Bible, and what we're going to read, there is an inherent connection. Because coming before God is a frightful thing. He is holy. Not only is he sovereign, he's that, but he is holy, he is righteous, he is perfect. And that is in stark contrast to you and me. We have much imperfection. We tend not to live in a holy way. Holy, referring to the purposes of God. We all have fallen short of God's glory. And notice after talking about that all flesh, they will come before you. Notice what he says. The words of iniquities. Now, this is a phrase that speaks about, there can be said about me, there can be said about you, above all people. When we examine our life in a proper way, according to God's standards, our life speaks much iniquity, that we are transgressors, that we are sinners. And he says here, gavru mimeni, meaning this, my sinfulness, I can't handle. It is more abundant than my ability to deal with the problem of sin. It goes beyond me. It is greater than me. It dominates me. And therefore, he says, and our transgression, and here's the good news, you, you make atonement for them. You deal with them. And this is the good news of, of this text. It's saying here that God does indeed and is able to deal with our unrighteousness. Let me say it again. He's able to atone for our iniquity, our sinfulness. So David says that. And in light of that, dealing, receiving that, and we know, it doesn't just happen naturally. God just doesn't say, okay, today I'm going to deal with their sinfulness and other people's tomorrow. No, we need to respond to that invitation, that, that gospel. And when we do, and that's the implication, he's saying to God, God, you will deal with that. You, you will make atonement for me. What's the purpose for that? Well, that's when we get to the next verse, verse 5 in the Hebrew text, verse 4, more than likely in your Bible, where it says, Ashrei which is a very familiar term. One of the, the prayer services, the afternoon prayer service, the mincha, begins with that phrase, ashray. And it speaks about one who is blessed, one who is happy, and because we're blessed, we receive joy and happiness from that. And it speaks about this that comes as a result from God doing two things dealing with our sinfulness, and then what else? It says, blessed or happy is the man that you, speaking to God now, it's in the second person singular, that you will choose and that you will bring near. And the implication is you're choosing and you're bringing them near to you. And it says this one, he will dwell in your courts. And we, he makes it now inclusive, and we will be satisfied in the goodness of your house, the holiness of your sanctuary. 
sanctuary, this word hechal, speaks about the place where God dwells. So it's a reference more than likely to that holy of holies, where the presence of God is. Now, a few things. We're going to be satisfied from your, your goodness, the goodness of yours that belongs in your house. It's not uh, uh, unlimited in the sense you get it everywhere. Your house, what's the house of God? Place of worship. So this satisfaction of God's goodness comes from drawing near to him and us being chosen by God. What does that mean? Us being chosen is an outcome of us dealing with our sins. How do we deal with our sins? We give them to God by faith. We, we ask him to, to cleanse us from all of our injustice and unrighteousness. With what objective? That we might draw near to him. Why? We want to be in his presence. So we read here about the goodness of your house and holiness. Now, this is what he's saying. We find goodness, the goodness of God, in the next word, holiness, in his purposes. It is only, and this is such a simple truth, but so frequently ignored. We find the, the goodness of God, his provision, his assistance, his help, his work in our life, his edification. We find that when we are living and moving according to his purpose. And here's a biblical truth. The whole reason that one should come to God, asking God for mercy, forgiveness, his grace, to be reconciled to him, to be a forgiven son or a forgiven daughter of the living God. The whole reason that we should do that is not just to escape judgment. That's a wonderful outcome. But the, the foundation of why is, I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to transgress. I don't want to experience iniquity in my life. I want to leave that and embrace the worship of God in the purposes of God. Next verse. Verse 6 in the Hebrew text, verse 5 in others. Now, if you're looking perhaps at the King James, it may use that word terrible. But it's the word nora in the plural here, noraot, and it means the awesome things. Now, I'm using a Bible that has Hebrew, and then underneath the Hebrew, there is additional Hebrew that gives a, a better understanding, an interpretation, a, a view on what that the text is speaking of. And under word, underneath the word noraot, for awesome things, it has the word niflaot, which is the wonderful works of God related to miracles, mighty deeds, wonderful actions that God performed and the results of them. So we could say your wonderful deeds are in righteousness. God's awesome things that we can experience, they come within the context of that which is righteous. So if we're not pursuing righteousness, what's pursuing righteousness? Pursuing God's will. How do I know what God's will is? Very simple. The commandments. Now, this is what, and I say this often, but we understand that we find salvation, justification, we're reconciled, we enter into that covenantal relationship with God through His grace, not through His commandments. But that does not mean that His commandments are irrelevant. 
that they no longer have relevance for us. No, there is a strong connection between the concept of righteousness and doing the commandments of God. This is not legalism. This is our faith in a very elementary way. We get saved by God's grace so that we can serve the God who was gracious to us. That's our objective. So he says, these marvelous things, these wonderful things, these awesome things, they are located in righteousness, which is related to the will of God. And it says, you have answered us, O God of our salvation. So God responds in our life through initially salvation. He becomes the God of salvation. Now, what is salvation? Well, salvation is not just forgiveness. That's the beginning. Salvation brings us in to the will of God, what, what he wants us to experience. Salvation is related to this future victory. Now, he's already paid the price. The enemy already has been defeated through his work on the cross. So victory has been achieved. But the outcome of that victory we're waiting to experience and he is indeed the god of our salvation and then notice it says here uses the word miftach miftach comes from the word for trust that which is sure of and we're talking about perhaps sure places now some of the modern translations they translate it with confidence because trusting something means you have confidence in that and that's okay but when we look here is this the rabbinical scholars they see this as referring to places that are are places of safety places that that we can can be secure in to be be confident trusting that these places are safe and it says this safe place is all for all those that, that dwell in the ends of the earth. It talks about the ends of the earth. And what he's saying is this. doesn't matter where you are. God has his, his places where we can feel secure, confidence, places that we can trust in because we're trusting in him. And it says they are where? They're available to the ends of the earth. All the scripture is saying is this. It's not about a specific location. That if I dwell in this country or that country, God is able to secure his people anywhere. He is not limited or bound by certain locations. It's because of God's presence. So he's just simply saying here, we can have confidence no matter where we are, even till the ends of the earth and he says in in regard to that he also writes about how also the the sea and the faraway places in the sea so both on land and upon sin sin sea to god god is able to keep us able to secure us we don't have to worry about the location it all has to do with the sovereign god now verse verse 7 in the hebrew text he prepares the mountains with his power 
So mountains, and this can be literally what God has done in creation. It could be speaking about God setting uh, governments up and speaking about that future kingdom government that he's going to establish. And he says, he girds with, with might. So it all speaks about God securing places and he is going to secure a government, his government, that will be with his power and with his might. Verse, verse 8. He quiets the, the noise, and this is a word for a loud noise. He quiets the, the same word for noise, the noise of the seas and the noise of their waves. Also, the, the humming, and this is another word for raging, the raging of nations. So when we put these two verses together, what we just concluded in the first verse, or the last verse we studied, and this verse, it speaks about God's going to establish authority, an absolute authority. And he is going to bring the raging of the seas and the nations, those that rage those that make a lot of noise against god's will he's going to to quiet them down verse verse nine in the hebrew eight and others the ones who dwell at the the ends meaning the ends of the earth it says they will fear now this verse is saying doesn't matter where you dwell you may be in some faraway, remote place. You may be in some small town that, that maps don't even list, some small village or such. doesn't matter. You are called to fear God. So no matter where one is, God's rule, His authority, His glory, His strength, His power, it's going to be present. So it says, those who dwell in the ends of the earth, they will fear they will fear from, and then we have a different word for wonders or signs. It's speaking in a general sense, your, your mighty deeds. Those things that you do that communicate your power, your signs. And he says also the origins of the morning and evening. He says they are going to, we could say, shout unto you. So each day, morning and evening they are going to to respond they are going to acknowledge you so time god putting things into order in his creation it's all saying everything one day is going to acknowledge the 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 ruling the all-powerful god verse 10. you have and this word pay ku Kuf Dalit, a very important word. There are a few biblical words that, that demand thorough study. When, when you study this word, you're going to find that it's translated in a variety of ways. And what it means is this. It's God. Sometimes it's translated visiting. Sometimes it's translated for punishing. Sometimes it's translated for, for remembering. But what it speaks about is God moving in a situation and he's all in. He's, he's committed to something. So he says, 
you have visited the earth and what else and you have watered it now water is is usually symbolic of god's blessing so he says you have visited the earth you have remembered the earth you're 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 in it you're upholding it you're nourishing it you're providing for it he says you water it and you make abundance and we could have the fact that you enrich it so god blesses it he enriches it he makes it fertile he makes it abundant and it speaks about the river of god is full of water and through that you prepare their grain for thus you establish it so god is at work for provision and we see that god remembers his creation he visits visits his creation and he functions in his creation in order to bless it to multiply it to sustain it in a very very abundant and rich way that there is provision for the people now look at verse verse 11 in hebrew 10 and other verses he uses word that speaks basically we might think of like little trenches the rain falls and it it travels on it makes its own pathways that's what it's speaking about here and it says that that what god does is that he satisfies with water and and he gives this rain that that travels in its trenches upon its its rows where god would have it to go and then he uses a different word for rain and this is talking about abundant rain showers those that are are strong and they do what well the next word is to soften something they they soften and the implication is the earth why so that it can sprout things can sprout up and it's saying here that all of this you bless you are the author of it you are the cause of it so god moves mightily in order to create to sustain to maintain his creation and he does so in a blessed way with abundance that's got god that's who he is that's how he likes to behave in our lives as well not just in his creation but we're part of his creation so we can expect the goodness of god that he likes to bless us and he does so he wants to enrich our life doesn't say he wants to make us rich but he wants to enrich our life with his provision so that we can live a fruitful life a life that is full of his will look now to to the next verse where he says you have crowned and that's literally what that word is we get the word atara very common name in in hebrew today atara it's speaking about a crown a crown of glory not simply a crown of authority that would be keter that is a word that speaks about like the king this word can be used in that sense as well but more often it's a crown of crown of glory so you have crowned the year of your goodness and the and the next word is kind of a a path but it can be a a kind of a circuit something that is repetitive and he says you have have done something 
you, you, you have dripped it, meaning you make it fertile, abundant. It kind of oozes forth. It oozes forth with its fertility. Now, this word, dashen, can mean that which is fertile. The land is, is very able to produce. You plant it, and there's an outcome. It's fertile, and it's also a word that speaks about that which is, is abundant. We can use that word to, to speak about that which, which produces a great amount. And then he says, the, the oasis of the desert, they, they drip, meaning they, they bubble forth. There is, even in the midst of the desert, of, of the land that is empty, God is able to make it, it blossom and bubble up with, with life. And it says, the, the mountains, they rejoice. And it speaks here about them being surrounded. So these hills, might be a better word, givot, these hills also, they, they, give, they give revelation that God is at work, that God is present, that he surrounds them with what? Joy. So also the mountains, they experience joy because you have girded them, would be another way to say it, that you surround them, that you have girded them. And then finally, the last verse. He says here, it's a word for clothing, putting on clothes, dressing. But in this context, underneath, when I look at the the modern Hebrew explanation of it, it speaks about full. So you get dressed, you're fully dressed, it speaks about the fullness. And here we have the pastors meaning the good land the fertile land the land that you would want to take your flock so it says the the pastors the good land have dressed themselves with with flocks meaning this land is full of sheep and also the valleys the valleys also drip forth and then we have a word of of production of yield and it speaks about it in a natural way. Not speaking about how you have uh, the farmer work the field. This is speaking about a natural, just going to these places. And the word here means that which is low. And sometimes this word can have to do with that which is, is not dramatic, not something that stands out, but, but the simple places. And God makes the simple places to be fertile and abundant as well in a natural way, not because of the activity of men, the farmer and such, but just in a natural way the land produces. And then he finally says, and they will shout. This is a shout of joy. It's a word of exclaiming something, emphasizing something with a shout, a shout of joy. And then it says, and even or we could translate it, and also they will sing. So what we have here is an example. We look at God's creation and we see God's faithfulness, God's presence, God's abundance, God's activity in it to make it a wonderful world, a, a fruitful world. And what David is saying is this. The world responds to God. The world receives from God and utilizes, produces with that which the world receives, produces what God expects.
the the good land the valleys and such they all reflect what god has called them to be he works he brings it about but there is a reflection of that in creation and what david is saying in a very i wouldn't say subtle but 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 in a clear way in my mind is what about you what about me god we're part of his creation are we acknowledging god god provides the world the land makes manifestation of that god gives the the earth water and you see the outcome flowers blossom the grass gets green you see it there's a direct result from god moving and the creation responding well what about you and me when god blesses me when god provides when god moves when god forgives does my life have that proper response that outcome based upon what god has done david is saying this is what we're supposed to be this is how a faithful man a faithful woman a godly individual responds we receive from god and what we receive from god produces something that's pleasing to him it meets his objective his purposes so psalm 65 a simple a direct a a psalm that speaks about god's expectations from you and me and if we're going to humble ourselves and be individuals that do indeed fulfill the objectives and the purposes of god as his people Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.